Good morning. I'm Dana Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling, where we explore the lives of people in ministry inside their churches and in their communities. And this morning, we have a special episode of The Calling. We are here with a roundtable of pastors from the community. Our topic of discussion this morning is, Where's God When Disaster Strikes? Our community's had a, a tough week, and we're looking for faith, and we're looking for God. And here this morning, we're going to hear some excellent examples of faith, and I'm grateful for the people who are here to share with us. We have with us this morning Christian Smith from First Cumberland Presbyterian. We have Michael McLaughlin from First Presbyterian Church in Cookville. We have Andrew Smith on staff at Tennessee Tech and from Blue Spring Presbyterian Church. We have Albert Willis from All Good United Methodist Church. And we have Lanita Monroe from Fairfield Lake United Methodist Church. Introducing you to local church and community leaders, The Calling. Thank you, friends, for joining me this morning. So where is God when disaster strikes? We have a lot of people who are saying, thank God uh, for saving me. And we have people saying, well, why didn't God save my friends? So where do we go from here? There's a big question, and the fancy uh, textbook word is theodicy, which is how we understand evil the- theologically. And uh, one line that I heard is goes back to people's interpretations of Job in the Old Testament, which is, why do bad things happen to good people? Which leaves us not asking the question, why do so many good things happen to bad people? <laughs> and if uh, if this were anything divinely ordained as far as the actual storm were concerned, given the state of our world, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, so we don't we don't assign blame to God, but we also don't sort of diagnose things that are outside of the religious profession. So I said to my congregation on Sunday, God is not the tornado or in the tornado, but God is in our response to the tornado and what we did heroically to help each other out. I love that. I think you said to me, at one point, God is not the micromanager of meteorological phenomena. That's was in the sermon too. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. You need to write that down so I can remember that. That was really good. <laughs> y'all, y'all are free to borrow. <laughs> I think that I, I do think the preaching is an open source profession. Uh, so we should. I, I study other preachers and I study all the, my colleagues at the round table for sure. Absolutely, Christian, you've had a tough week. I have. It's been a long week. We had uh, three families from our church lose everything. And, of course, we had one loss of life from our church. Uh, and so it is. it has been difficult. And I, of course, had to address the why question uh, during our services on Sunday. And, you know, the best answer I can give is I don't know. Uh, I, you know. Theologians have argued this question since the beginning of time, and the reason we continue to argue it is because we don't have a good answer. I can't answer the why, but I can tell you that the answer to the where was God in the midst of disaster, I firmly believe, was right there with each of us. I don't believe that God took those individuals from us But I believe that God held those individuals tight in that moment and continues to hold us tight today. Albert, you have a specific story about someone in your family. Can you share that with us? My my daughter and son-in-law lost everything. And I got a call about 2.30 that morning 
my son-in-law called me because his dad, his dad was in Kentucky working and um, he calls me, he said, dad, we've, we've lost everything. We're standing right here on the road looking for some help. Can you come and get us? I said, yes, not really thinking what that meant. It took a while to, to get to MacBroom Chapel when everything's closed, but we got there somehow and then just started running down down the road trying to get around trees that were uh, impassable and lines are on the on the ground and you don't know if they've turned them off or anything you're just running and uh, they have four children their house had one little wall left I, I don't know how they lived it was all it had to be god you know i mean and you go you go well why why does god do that how, how does god do that well i I was talking, we have a Mennonite group in our church that has gone out and started working. And Moses is the name of the leader and his people. <laughs> this really sounds good. But uh, Moses uh, and I were talking, he said, he said, you know, everybody wins. I said, what do you mean? He said, they went to heaven. That's a win. You know, I mean, it's hard to tell it to somebody who just lost somebody. But when you look at it theologically, uh, God's taking everybody, you know, we're the ones, he said, we're the ones that lose. We've got to stay here and fight through all this. They get to enjoy heaven a little bit sooner than they were hoping to, but still, and I'm going, well, it's still not easy. I, uh, I, I've been very emotional all week because, uh, you know, life goes on. Even after all that, I, I had two people that passed away because they were, it was time for them to pass away. It wasn't because of the tornado. And, and so I had a funeral uh, Friday. I had a funeral this morning. And, you know, I'm, I'm really a big crybaby lately. And uh, so I cry through everything right now, you know, trying to be there for them when I need to be. I need somebody to be there for me, you know. And I have my little three-year-old grandson says, um, who makes tornadoes? Mm. I think he was wanting to, whoever did, he was going to beat him up but uh, with a sledgehammer, but he didn't like those things. But uh, to listen to the stories of, of my family, you know, my daughter, my son, they wake up, there's a roof coming off their house. He's getting sucked out of the room and he's holding on to a rafter that's left and she's running to go get a baby, our little Amelia, out of the baby bed. And uh, she said something said, drop the baby now she drops me to the floor and the wall falls on top of her head and she's lodged in there she can't move she's screaming for jacob and uh, very 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 terrifying you know jacob comes in and pushes the wall off that had to be another god moment and and adeline who's usually asleep in the room with amelia decided to sleep with the brothers that night and so she was in a different room and that bed was in a loft and it was the first thing that disappeared out of the room so it was like every one of those guys were in a certain place, and Jacob grabs them up that night, and he said, this was a perfect day. Oh. They go, Dad, what are you talking about? He said, every one of us were put into a perfect spot to be able to speak about this tomorrow, and we've got to speak about it tomorrow. And, well, very nice. I'm Denna Hornby. You're listening to The Calling. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Denna Hornby. You're listening to The Calling. We're here with a special episode today, Where is God When Disaster Strikes? And we're here with 
various clergy throughout our community. We have Albert Willis with us from All Good United Methodist Church. We have Christian Smith from First Cumberland Presbyterian. Michael McLaughlin is here from First Presbyterian Church in Cookville, as is Andrew Smith from Blue Spring Presbyterian Church. And Lanita Monroe is here from Fairfield Glade United Methodist Church. I want to bring us back to this segment with a a quote from Vance Johnson, who is a retired United Methodist pastor. And, And Vance said this, our community continues to reel and respond and recover from the devastating tornado of last week. While this tornado has upended and interrupted our lives profoundly, it also forces us to acknowledge our common shared humanity. We need one another and are all in this together. In a rude, abrupt way, it tears down barriers of politics, race, religion, all of which we use to separate ourselves from one another. It calls us to open our hearts and to be vulnerable. It moves us to be compassionate toward ourselves so that we can be more genuinely caring for and with others. This week we've seen a beautiful example of those barriers being broken down and people coming out to help one another. I, I wonder if any of you have had experiences in that regard. I had an interesting experience um, on Thursday. I got a call out of the blue from a man I don't know, uh, a man named Yassin, and he is a a Syrian refugee, moved uh, to Knoxville in 2001. And uh, long story short, he he has a couple of uh, successful restaurants in Knoxville, and uh, he just wanted to come and serve. Uh, I, you know, again, I, I heard about the guy, never met him. Uh, and, you know, fast forward by the time we figured out the best, I think was the best place to serve the most people, the fastest, uh, I had to sort of, and I mentioned this in my sermon on Sunday, I had to sort of laugh while giving thanks to God as I observed to your point about bringing us together or Vance's point about bringing us together, um, uh, you know, 80 something, probably year old, uh, Southern Baptist giving directions to a Muslim Syrian refugee and a Presbyterian so that they could drive the food truck to park it in the lawn of a church of Christ in order to then serve whoever was hungry or hurting or weary. And uh, that, that's been a powerful uh, experience uh, in the wake of the storm. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time also um, in Genesis and Job this week. Like a lot of folks have mentioned Job, I think, uh, this week. I know Andrew did. Um, and, and what I, among other things, what comes out of those texts is I'm hesitant to offer any easy answers. Um, I don't have any easy answers. Uh, there aren't any easy answers. My experience of the storm is different from everyone else's, uh, you know, and, and you certainly lift up thanks to God for blessings you see, even while absolutely wrestle with the, the why questions. And, and I don't have those easy answers. And in fact, sometimes I think easy answers can, can be a problem. Uh, in fact, I always think that actually, but, um, but I will say this um, when in looking at Job and looking at Rev, um, even revelation and Genesis, um, you know, you, you have life as it is blessed and, and privileged even. And there's this horrible disruption uh, and and even suffering and pain, 
And then on the other end of it, you have a sense of restoration. You have a sense of order being made out of the chaos. I mean, that's what God does. Um, again, it doesn't make the chaos any less, you know, painful, but people are changed in life and the world is changed on the other side of this and, and people uh, reevaluate. I mean, I can, I can tell you all a ton of stories of, of just reevaluation of priorities. You know, did I really need that super fancy watch that's now gone uh, or, you know, whatever the case may be, that's fairly minor in the grand scheme of things. Right. But, but this sense in which we reevaluate and if we are reevaluating the way that we are divided from one another then that surely is a blessing, even in the midst of unanswerable questions Uh, in a time of, at least in my lifetime, unprecedented division, especially politically, but not just um, that, that one little story is a great window into order that can come out of the chaos. Um, But don't, don't you think that that is exactly where we find God in the midst of the chaos and the destruction in everything that has been so bad about the storms, you find you find God in the silence after the storms, in the strangers that come and help one another, in someone so politically different than we are mm-hmm. coming and being an instrument of God, of our God, of the God of love and grace and mercy, coming and being a part of like you said, our restoration, mm-hmm. and that is that's that's where when when I um when I taught the pastoral care piece and and had written for my congregation, how do we respond to disaster? Um, a litany where where we ask God, where were you when this happened? And and to hear God's voice say, Well, I was there. I was holding your child, just like you said, Andrew. They they are holding our loved ones. When when we can't hold them, and they're telling your daughter to drop her daughter, so that that child doesn't get hurt. But but it's so hard because the theodicy, like Andrew said, the theodicy is why and where and and so we we can't use those what I refer to as God cliches. Mm-hmm. You know, God God needed another flower for his garden. No, he didn't. You know. God didn't take those that we love. God didn't destroy what we need. Mm. You know, all of that happens because our world is so broken. Mm-hmm. You know, God's not sending this coronavirus either. It's what we have done. Mm-hmm. Um, and to your grandson, who who causes tornadoes? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody causes the tornado, but it is what our nature because of the brokenness of our world and it hurts and it's frightening there's this little snippet in the book of james that i ran to where the text says don't say god is testing you don't say god is tempting you we're doing that to ourselves mm. we we can come up with all the problems on our own god is in the is in the solution but he's also with us in the world that he made that has these you know, we don't know why we left the garden. I mean, if we're up to me, we'd still be in the garden, but just saying, but we left the garden. I mean, we don't know why there was the flood, but, you know, the rainbow and all of that afterwards. Um, we were in a field by my house, and uh, it's between uh, Broadway apartments, uh, public housing uh, par- apartments that are new, and Broad Street, which is where the line of the storm was. And I live on Petite Road, which is right 
next to that. And so I've adopted this field and we've been picking up debris and taking it to the community center where there's lots more of these sentimental things, these pieces. And it was the first day, uh, Wednesday, and the university was closed and our president told us to go out in the community and serve. And I'm glad I went to this field because I didn't go where they had so many volunteers, they had to turn people away from helping because they had too much help. So I was in this field picking up trash. And it was just four of us. The two students left. It was just me and my wife. And I saw this group of men walking across the field. And I thought, oh, they saw my Facebook post. They're here to help me pick up garbage. And I ran to them. And they're like, I'm like, where are your garbage? We need, you know, do I need to get you some garbage bags? They're like, no, we're such and such a county, such and such a county search and rescue. And we haven't, this field hasn't been combed yet. So they were looking for bodies in the same field where I was picking up photos and soggy clumps of insulation. And um, I think, and, and they wanted to make sure, you know, the list of unaccounted for kept going down. And I kept thinking, well, some of these unaccounted for are going to be found, you know, they're all going to be found deceased. Some of them were found alive. Friend of friend of a friend of a friend found alive. And I believe the God that we know from Scripture is on a search and rescue for everybody. And all the unaccounted for are going to be accounted for. I'm Dana Hornby. You're listening to The Calling. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Dana Hornby. You're listening to The Calling. And we're back this morning with a panel of pastors from all over the community. We have with us Christian Smith from First Cumberland Presbyterian Church, Michael McLaughlin from First Presbyterian Church, Andrew Smith from Blue Spring Presbyterian Church. We have Albert Willis from All Good United Methodist and Lanita Monroe from Fairfield Glade. You know, we've had um, a couple of really hard weeks. We've got folks who are in the midst of recovery, both personally, spiritually, um, in their homes and in their emotions. As we have storms coming in, some spring storms that are going to be blowing in, what words of hope do you have for folks who will be remembering that night when things blew away, when their life blew away? What words of hope can we offer our community today? So, I mean, in, in practical terms, you know, not, not necessarily theologically, I do think it's been for, for our family and for our congregation and a number of folks that I know, it's been a bit of a wake up call. And, you know, are there ways that we can have a little more diligence and preparation? Um, because you're right. No, no person makes tornadoes, but we do have choices we can make in terms of how we live, uh, how resources are shared or not, things of that nature. So there's some broad big picture issues here. Um, but I, I, I just when I think of hope in this. And I time and time again, like probably by far the most common refrain, certainly throughout the Hebrew scriptures is be not afraid. Right now, my house is intact. That's easy for me to say that. Um, But I also when I when I hear God time and time again and God's prophets and God's messengers through scripture saying, be not afraid. This is the same God who sent Jesus. And, and, and the fact is there are many times I suspect is for my colleagues as well. There are times when all I can say and offer as a pastor is kind of like Christian said earlier, I don't know the answer to the questions, but I do know that Jesus has been through the depths of human suffering, uh, that he himself was, you know, not withdrawing from that. And he experienced grief. He, he grieved over his dear friend, over Lazarus. I mean, and so, yes, he was God. He's also fully human. And, and so 
in that regard, God does know God has been there. Uh, and, and this is our creator and, and our creator who sent Jesus to all that has been said already that, that we would have the joy of resurrection. Uh, but it isn't a cheap joy and, and we can't just rush past the cross. And Jesus certainly didn't. Uh, and that's really hard. Uh, but I do know as I'm thinking about my colleague to my right, my colleagues to my left, Check on the strong ones. Uh, check in on on the the pastors and the healthcare workers and the responders and the municipal folks. I mean, the list can go on and on and on because they've been so busy in ways of being points of hope. Uh, but that wears on you, and and you've got to be able to, uh, to to rest up and lean on one another. I think it comes back to that whole idea that we're in a covenant with each other and with God. Um, you know, sometimes you get caught up in in thinking uh, that everything's going good, and, and you forget to plan. And we we di- we don't plan. We all this happens, and we react to it. I'm talking about our church. I'm not talking about everybody else. Is like, okay, we're we're going to be the emergency if they need us. Well, there was already people that already had it planned and had it done, so they didn't need us. And then on Thursday, I get a call from this guy named Moses. I didn't know who he was. He just he said, we're going to be in town on Saturday, and we'd like to see if, if maybe we could uh, uh, stay in your facility if you'd let us for some, some weeks. And I went, well, come on, Moses. I don't know who you are, but, you know, we'll talk. And, and it was in those things. It was such a cool thing on Saturday that on Sunday I brought everybody right after church to come into the fellowship hall because I need a vote right now. This is what's going to happen if y'all say yes. And Moses is saying, you say yes, I'm flying out at 5 o'clock on Sunday so we can get everybody there on on Monday. And so it was like, yes, we'll do it. And now uh, we didn't know what we were getting into, but they were already at Next Steps building today uh, cleaning it up. They're, they're over at my daughter and son-in-law's site, do that, and whoever else starts coming to them because uh, they, they have all their stuff in line uh, through the through the town, their, their permits and all. And so they're a fast-building group too. So it, it was exciting that we could say yes to that without thinking much about it. You know, it was something I wish we were better planned, but God planned this in front of us and we just did it. So that was that for me was hope, you know. I'm Dana Hornby. You're listening to The Calling. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Dana Hornby. You're listening to The Calling. And we're back this morning with a panel of pastors from all over the community. We have with us Christian Smith from First Cumberland Presbyterian Church, Michael McLaughlin from First Presbyterian Church, Andrew Smith from Blue Spring Presbyterian Church. We have Albert Willis from All Good United Methodist and Lanita Monroe from Fairfield Glade. What words of hope can we offer our community today? I, I know that as storms roll in, and the fears pop up for folks. It's easy for us as pastors, I'm not picking on what was said earlier, to, to throw out the be not afraid. But we, we need to realize that they're very real feelings. And I, you know, I hope that anyone that has those fears uh don't let those multiply by being afraid to share them with someone. Mm-hmm. Speak out and speak up, uh, whether it's to one of us as clergy, to a friend, to a family member. And if someone speaks to you, allow them to have their fears. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we 
we can throw out the scriptures. And one that I, I love to rely on in moments like this is the end of Romans 8 that promises us that neither life nor death nor anything in all of creation can separate us from the love of God. But in the moment of fear, if you can lean on that scripture, fantastic. But if you need to lean on me or someone else, mm -hmm. lean. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like Dana had said earlier mm -hmm. um, when we were just talking, the PTSD syndrome. Because And there will be people that, that may not even know that they will be affected by mm -hmm. the new storms. And, and it is very real. I live in a different county, and my adult son, because of his autism, he is afraid for every one of you. And, and so, so, so in many ways, I've lived this vicariously through him in how do I help him not be afraid for himself, but then also for, for you. And, and it is to be able to talk, to, to be able to share that with someone, to be that strong person for someone else, but then also as a strong person to find someone else that you can talk to as well, because we all, like you said, those first responders, we all need someone to share that with as well. You're sitting with a group of mainline liturgical pastors who honor the season of Lent, and so no, one's ha no one has a happy, clappy rush to the resurrection. We're going to walk through Holy Week at every stage of it. So many of the places were turning away volunteers. Donation centers were overflowing. Um, my students, without very little. I, I put a handwritten sign in the lobby of New Hall North where I work at Tech that said local relief donations. I didn't, I didn't send an email. I didn't blow up social media. And I came back and it looked like Christmas morning. You could barely walk through the lobby. There were so many donations. And of course, they did, weren't reading the daily tweets about what they needed at the community center. So most of what we had did not fit the list. And it would go from to where there was that pile to a much bigger pile of where they had too much stuff. And so this woman from my church said, let, just let me take it. And I'm going to go and look, I'll, I'll, I'll personally identify individuals and I'll deliver it. So my students drove a pickup truck full of donations from Cookville to Sparta. And then the very night, she said, there was clothing. You know, they're saying no clothing. Well, you have men's clothes in here. Well, there was uh, size 11 men's shoes in that bag of men's clothes. Well, she has a displaced person who had no shoes. And he was a man who wore size 11. And so those shoes went to that man because somebody from my church said she wanted to be the hands of feet of Christ. And, and it didn't go just to the community center, which is great, by the way. But there's like a mountain. I mean, it was, I was amazed. It was like, you know, it was like the, uh, the, the Jesus shopping mall of the world. You know, here it is. It's all free, you know, just like grace. I'm Denna Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling. I'm Denna Hornby. You're listening to The Calling. And each week on The Calling, we typically have our pastor share a short devotional. And since we have a round table of pastors this morning, our devotional will be this. We will pray the Lord's Prayer. And we ask that if you're out there listening today, you would join us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I'm Dana Hornby, 
and you've been listening to The Calling.